This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce, made specially for you. So if you like hot sauce, you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's the hot sauce that bites back. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. Well, it's just me tonight. So for all you Jack fans, too bad. I can picture him now hanging out in an alleyway. The bottle of Mad Dog 2020 in one hand, a smoke in the other, bouncing from wall to wall. Well, that's probably not true. But while he's gone, I'm going to do one of my favorite music topics. Did you know? See, Jack doesn't really like those too much, which is why I really like them. Enjoy. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host, Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Amanda, for that wonderful introduction. You know the name of the show, so I'm not going to say it. I'm flying solo tonight. Yeah, so we're live streaming right now over Facebook and YouTube. If you want to find us on YouTube, it's the Milk Crates and Turntables channel. And of course, you're listening to us, then you're listening on a podcast platform or on many podcast platforms. If you would like to get in touch with the show, give us a call or email, (laughs) give us a call. (laughs) We do have a phone number, but uh, give us a, send us an email, milkcratesandturntables at gmail.com. That way, you can suggest, criticize, yell, ask for recipes, anything you want to do. So, without further ado, let me not bring on my co-host, Mr. Jack Calabrese. Yeah, Jack is uh, AWOL. Well, he's not really, but he's somewhere. I think he's in Texas. Went to Texas for his birthday, so. Well, on a business trip. Just happened to be his birthday the other day. Not that anybody cares. Jack, so. (laughs) So now that Jack's not here, I am going to do one of my my favorite topics in music. Did you knows? Yes. You know, they're always informative. It's just, just some light stuff. You know, we do deep dives every once in a while. Uh, We got the, we got the people already. The chat is is moving. Anyways, (laughs) I might have to remove that. It might become a distraction during the show for the the live streamers. Um, Yeah. Anyways. So I like doing the, did you knows? Like I said, it's light. We do some deep dives. Most of the time. And every once in a while, I just want to break it up a little a little bit. All right, you know what? I'm going to drink some water. Hold on. Mm-hmm. 
There we go. So without further ado, this first one is, is actually was sent to me by a listener of the show uh, who had advanced notice in reference to this first Did You Know? Did you know that Jack has failed to appear four times in the last six months on this podcast? Yep. He thinks no one's paying attention. Oh, he's wrong. <laughs> four times in the last six months, this guy is a no-show. It's just a did you know. It's all it is. Do with it what you want. Take it for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, moving on. Did you know? I, and I love this. This this has an allegedly in it, which always means it, it happened. That Freddie Mercury allegedly snuck Princess Diana into a gay club back in the 80s by dressing her up in an army jacket and sunglasses. I, I could see that. I could see that. She, she was pretty cool. She could hang with anybody. Yeah. Yeah, put some sunglasses on her in, a, in an army coat, and she looks, you know, she could be a cross-dresser. <laughs> no one's going to know. No one's paying attention. All right. Did you know? Before starting the band Kiss, Gene Simmons was a sixth grade teacher. How cool would that have been? How cool would that have been? <laughs> Gene Simmons was my sixth grade teacher. I mean, you got to think that was a pretty laid back class, right? So, uh, did you know on a drug and alcohol fueled, fueled tour in 1984, Ozzy Osbourne used a straw to snort a line of ants off the ground in an effort to gross out his tour mates' motley crew. Now, advantage Ozzy. I mean, those guys lived the wildlife. No doubt, legendary. But they ain't Ozzy. <laughs> That's not happening. Let's see. Did you know? I won't say it like that all show, but every once in a while. The first time the Beatles smoked weed was with Bob Dylan. They met up at a hotel and Dylan offered them some, some weed. Dylan assumed they had smoked it before because he misheard their I can't hide lyric from I want to hold your hand as I get high. <laughs> Must have been high when he was listening. Yeah. Did you know? Son of a preacher man singer, Dusty Springfield, used to spend hundreds of dollars on cheap china, then blow off steam by breaking them all. That's a pretty good idea. That's a pretty, I mean, come on. What was the song David Bowie sang? I love the sound of breaking glass. It's blowing off some steam right there. That. That, that second probably to popping off some rounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a good one. Did you know? Stevie Nicks was offered the opportunity to write the lyrics for Purple Rain, but turned Prince down. Yikes. But then, you know what? 
maybe it wouldn't have been the song we know today. It definitely wouldn't have been. Maybe it wouldn't have been a, uh, a mega hit like it was. Things happen for a reason, right? Uh, let's see. Did you know? As an eight-year-old boy, Guns N' Roses lead guitarist Slash walked in on his mother and, of all people, David Bowie naked in bed. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Oh. It's, uh, <laughs> might, as, might as well be in bed with a skeleton. <laughs> I don't know. Dude was not the most manly looking man. But, hey, he was David Bowie. Right? Did you know Elvis was actually a natural blonde? He dyed his hair jet black with shoe polish initially and then later with Clairol hair dye. Didn't everybody use Clairol back then? Right? Wasn't that the, the go-to for, well, for women? I know that. My mom. All right. Let's see. <laughs> okay, did you know that Keith Moon, I think we all know, this might be a little more now you know the rest of the story type thing. So Keith Moon, he washed down some horse tranquilizers with brandy before a show at the Cow Palace. And I believe that was Oakland, California. Then as the show went on, he drummed slower and slower until he passed out while playing Won't Get Fooled Again. Now, most people that know the story know that Pete Townsend then asked the audience, is there any out, anybody out there that can play the drums? Well, here's the rest of the story. A kid named Scott Halpin, who's a 19-year-old from Muscatine, Iowa, who had just graduated from high school and moved west out to California. He to Monterey, so he went from Monterey to the Cow Palace outside San Francisco to see the Who with a friend. They waited in line for like 13 hours because that's what you did back then, right? But they couldn't get tickets. The show was sold out. So they bought scalped tickets. They went inside. So Scott, I can relate to this part. Scott and his buddy made their way up front to be close to the stage. I probably did that at a minimum 75% of the concerts I went to. <laughs> so... I can relate to that. But it was really crowded up there. That Scott didn't like the crowds I did. So there's a difference. So they decided to move to the side of the stage. A very fateful choice. Little did he know what was coming after that. So after Townsend announces... Can anybody play the drums? Can anybody out there play the drums? Halpin's friend noticed that Keith Moon 
looked like he was going to pass out again. So, and he thought that Townsend was just kidding, but then he saw Keith Moon. He's like, he started pointing at his friend and yelling, he can play, he can play. So this catches the attention of Bill Graham, the Who's promoter. He was standing nearby. He grabs the kid and brings him up on stage, just like that. So the kid was terrified, no doubt about it, no doubt about this. He later confessed that he had to hit the drums with the fat end of the stick because he wasn't making any noise, any sound on that huge drum kit with the thin end of the stick. It's pretty interesting. He played two Howling Wolf covers, Howling Wolf covers, Smokestack Lightning and Spoonful. And his time as the band's drama ended with the Who original song, Naked Eye. After that song, he gets out from behind the drums, takes a bow with the band, and for his performance, they gave him a tour jacket, which got stolen. You can't leave shit hanging around backstage. Just can't. No. Anyways. Although he only played for 30 minutes, the kid was, he was wiped out. He was exhausted. Which he went on to say, he, that's, he gives Keith Moon and most professional drummers a lot of credit. Because that is, that is, uh, you got to be 100 miles an hour to be a drummer no breaks so there you go that's the rest of the story pretty cool i had a pretty good concert experience a lot of people know i jumped up on stage with you two and had bono on my shoulders singing i will follow and from a sold out was the centrum and i put him down he helps me up walks me to the front of the stage Edge gives me a little thumbs up, and I stand at the edge of the, edge of the stage, and the only thing I could think of is Rocky. So I did my best Rocky imitation as he reaches the top of the stairs, and, and they get the spotlight on me, and I jump back into the audience. Like, nothing happened. No security bothered me. Nothing. Now, that was a great experience. That was far and away heads above a lot of other people's concert experiences like jack getting punked by chuck berry <laughs> pushed him out of the way anyways i love that story but when you get to play an instrument with a band that's another level that is an entirely different level of just you are you are in a very very small minority of concert goers they get to do that. So that's the, uh, that's the story there. Let's see. What else do we have here? All right. Back to the did you knows. Did you know that Jefferson Airplane's lead singer, Grace Slick, after being invited to the White House, went there with some acid not battery acid, like tripping acid, like blotter acid. 
She went there with some acid, and she had a plan to dose President Nixon. How fucking crazy would that have been? <laughs> the President Nixon on acid. Yikes. A lot of you might be young to know about Richard Nixon, but he was a very paranoid man. He's a very paranoid man. Hence, Watergate and a lot of other tape recording that he did. So, if he was on acid, uh, hide that nuclear suitcase, buddy. Let's see. This is a good one. After the breakup of the British rock band The Zombies, who scored a big hit with Time of the Season, you know, what's your name, who's your daddy, one of the greatest lines in in rock history, in music history. That's one of the greatest lines in music history. So after they broke up, though, a promotion company in America hired some kids from Texas to go on tour as the zombies, claiming they were still together. And it worked until the actual zombies found out and served the fake zombies with a cease and desist order. It's kind of like you got the walkers versus the runners. <laughs> Walk, get it, get it. You know, everybody hates the, 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 the runners when it comes to zombies. Nobody likes the runners. Nobody. But the thing with the runners is you just have to be faster than the guy next to you. That's it. And you're good. So the fake zombies were served with a cease and desist order. But a few of the fake zombies stayed together and became ZZ Top. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Okay, all right, listen. I have to, I've got to do a little sidebar here. The comments are coming in on the live stream. Someone wants to know, where's Jack? First of all, I don't care. I, I don't care what Jack is. It's a, it's a, nice, it's a nice break, okay? Uh, but anyways, now, Jack, I, I said earlier in the, in the podcast, Jackson, Texas, on business. He's a highfalutin guy. But somebody replied, Scott could no longer afford him. Ah, see, you got the Jack fans and you got the Scotty fans, right? Yeah. Which side are you on? I kind of like my side. So, anyways, that's Jack. I, I said he's probably drunk in some alley with a bottle of Mad Dog 2020 and a smoke bouncing from wall to wall. At least that's what I would like to think he's doing. <laughs> he's not. Let's see. So, I think a lot of you might know that uh, Richie Havens... Uh, his most famous song is Freedom on, uh, at Woodstock. And it, the, the, a lot of people don't know. Well, maybe they do. That whole song was improvised. Yeah. 
Watch the video. It's a very cool video. And you'll notice in the video that he's, uh, he's drenched. Like he's just drenched. Well, what led up to that? See, he opened Woodstock. So, you know, it's a big deal. But the problem was the other acts that were supposed to be there were all stuck in traffic. There's delays getting them there one way or another. So, Richie Havens played for that crowd for almost three hours. <laughs> Fuck me. Three hours. No wonder the dude was soaked. And that wasn't the rain part of it either. He was called back for several encores. He had them just railing out there. And eventually, like anything, he ran out of tunes. So what does he do? He improvises. And the song, Freedom, is based on an old spiritual song called Motherless Child. That's why you'll see, that it, when you see freedom, in parentheses, sometimes it says motherless child. So there you go. Now you know the rest of the story. All right, let's see. Did you know the Beatles, well, Paul McCartney, he wrote yesterday, right? We all know that. The most covered song in music history. We all know that. But he wrote it, like a lot of these guys, he wrote it like in his sleep. Like Keith Richards, well, Keith Richards recorded the riff to satisfaction in a drunken haze and then passed out. So he woke up one day with the that melody in his head went to the piano, found the chords. And he played it for everyone he came across for months to make sure that it wasn't somebody else's song that he was just remembering. No one ever heard it before. And, well, he had indeed written Rock's most timeless song. Yeah, in his sleep. Oh, one of, most, one of the most timeless songs. In his sleep. Well... When you got the talent like him, you can do those things. Let's see. There we go. What's love got to do with it? Did you know that Tina Turner initially said she didn't like it? She thought it sounded very popish. Well, there you go. Another one. That goes, that's, that's like, let me see, Chrissy Hind in The Pretenders, she hated the song Brass and Pocket. She did not like that song. She didn't understand what Detroit Lean was. Yeah, it's, it's, she just didn't like it. She's like, yeah. Well, what do you know? That becomes their biggest hit right away. That's their breakout hit, right? Uh, let's see. Did you know Wonderwall? by Oasis, was originally called Wishing Stone. 
Uh, Noel Gallagher wrote the track, but gave it to his brother to sing. And uh, it shares a name. Uh, yeah, Wonderwall actually shares a name with the psychedelic film. That is a soundtrack from Beatles, from George Harrison of the Beatles. A lot of their early stuff was based on or around the Beatles. The Beatles were their number one influence, as they should be. Let's see. Huh. Oh, this is a good one. Did you know Dolly Parton once entered a drag queen celebrity impersonator contest as herself? And lost. <laughs> that's that's not good. <laughs> she lost. How does that happen? Maybe because she wasn't an impersonator? I don't know. I don't know the rules to those things. If you do, email me. Let me know how that happens. Milkcratesandturntables at gmail.com. Well, let's see. Oh, Dolly Parton again. She wrote her legendary songs, Jolene. And I will always love you in the same day. What the hell? She did those two in the same day. Why she's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is beyond me. But uh, Jay-Z is. <laughs> okay. I like Jay-Z. I like Jay-Z. Ain't no problem with him. But... Dolly, Dolly needs the respect. She needs to be in there. Yeah, this is interesting. Did you know? Kurt Cobain wrote the 1993 Nirvana hit Heart Shaped Box about his wife, Courtney Love's vagina. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything. I'm trying hard. I'm not, <laughs> not going to say a word. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm leaving it alone. All right. Moving on. Did you know? Before joining Queen, Brian May studied astrophysics. He later completed his doctoral thesis and earned his Ph.D., yeah, Dr. Brian May. See, doctors are PhDs, right? That's what you call a doctor. Medical doctor, a whole different thing. Most medical doctors don't have PhDs. It's harder to get a PhD. That's the, that's the top rung of the educational world. It's that PhD. And most doctors just get a, uh, they go to med school, right? So anyways, this isn't uh, a WebMD podcast, which by the way, that thing, that is, WebMD might be the worst thing that ever happened to the internet. I'm telling you, you go on that thing, you got a, you got a bump on your finger, by the time you're done going down the WebMD rabbit hole, you got brain cancer. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's all that is. WebMD is one big rabbit hole that people can't stop 
once they're in it, they just keep going down, down, down. Roger Taylor of Queen actually locked himself in a in, in a in a cupboard like a what do you call it like a pantry <laughs> until the rest of, of the group agreed to have his song on the B side of a night at the opera and what did that get him what did that get him look at that see my buddy Bob McGrath says my son is getting both his MD and PhD that that is an accomplishment. My, my hat is off to him, that young man. That is some seriously ac- academic rigor. That, uh, that's some serious stuff right there. That's, uh, he's got to be, he's buried in a book 24-7. Good for him, man. Good, congratulations. Let's see. Did you know? David Bowie's diet during the mid-70s consisted of only red peppers, milk, and cocaine. What the fuck? How do you... I, look, I, I readily admitted I, I, I dipped my bologna sandwich in, in, in a glass of milk like... And I, I readily admit that. Okay. It's good. It's good. Especially when it's got mayo on it. But anyways. But red peppers and milk. Where the hell is that combination coming? Is it like red pepper cereal? Then you, then you snort some lines. <laughs> hey, hey, Dave, we're going out to get something to eat. Can I bring you back anything? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No wonder he was the thin white duke. Let's see. All right. Did you know, before renaming himself Bob Dylan, Robert Allen Zimmerman went by the name Elston Gunn? Yeah, Bob Dylan's much better. <laughs> it was Elston Gunn. What? Like, what? <laughs> Good call with the Bob Dylan. Did the right thing. And, I, um, and I'm not a Bob Dylan fan. No. I like a couple of his songs. But for the most part, nah, I don't get it. I don't like Bob Dylan. I don't like the Grateful Dead. I don't like Santana. <clears throat> Santana. Nah, nah. Can't stand Jethro Tull. Oof. Oof. Fucking. It's like a. What do you call that? A minstrel show on stage. How do people go see a guy in fucking tights playing a flute? Fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, what is that? Who? who <laughs> and he, you see him in these videos. He's leaping around and he's got these fucking crazy eyes and 
The long, I like, what? Who liked that shit? I never understood that. Okay, okay. He's got an aqua lung. They got a couple. That guy Jethro's got a couple of good songs. The guy Jethro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perry Dinovich, friend of the show. Exactly. Fucker standing on one foot playing the flute. What the fuck? Yeah, that, yeah that's rock and roll. There you go. There you go. Fucking flute guy on one foot like and you know and he takes it and he puts the other foot on like the inside of his knee like a <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and he stands there like a playing the flute oh, fuck and people like this shit like people like I, my buddies are like i give i have those albums i give that shit away i give it away <laughs> you want a jethro tell album take it uh. <laughs> Same with Santana. I had some Santana albums. Couldn't give them away fast enough. I, I, I whatever the. You know, you know what my favorite, my favorite Santana song is. Came out in the nineties. Right? He started doing compilations with yeah that that piece of shit song with rob thomas yeah matchbox 20 it's another group up there with green day anyways my favorite santana song is uh yeah with michelle branch that's a good song it's called the game of love yeah it's because she's a good singer and, and it's got a good, it's got a good riff and he plays some good guitar in there. But after that, nah, nah. if I had a, if someone gave me a ticket to go see Carlos Santana, I'd scalp it. <laughs> I'd scalp it. No interest. Oh, he's a legend. You go see a legend. No, I won't. That's okay. That's a legend I can live without. Oh, look, my buddy Dave Phillips, the king of the 45s, he just messaged in. Bob, did, did you know Bob Dylan and Kevin McHale of Boston Celtics fame are from the same town, Hibbing, Minnesota? Okay. <laughs> that was a time filler. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> any, any more, Dave? Anything else? Just, just type it in. Send it in. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, this is oh, this is a good one. Did you know Fleetwood Mac founding member Jeremy Spencer mm-hmm, abruptly left the group to join the Children of God cult? <laughs> ah, yeah, fucking idiot. Uh, although, although, I got to say, before 1976, Fleetwood Mac sucked. They sucked. Me and Jack go around and around on this. They sucked before 76. Shitty albums. Shitty music. 
Yeah. Oh, Bob Welsh played with them. Yeah, Bob Welsh was the album French Kiss was okay. That was a good album. Had a couple of big 70s hits in it that are still kind of iconic 70s songs. It was it Ebony Eyes and uh what's the other one? Uh I can't think off the off the top of my head, but yeah. But Bob Welsh was better on his own than this guy. This guy probably saw the writing on the wall. Maybe Jeremy Spencer did the right thing. This fucking band is shit. I'm leaving. But then uh, here comes Lindsay and and Stevie and well, the rest is history. Right? Let's see. Ah, this is a good one. Did you know that when Prince, the late great Prince, was a kid, his dad put him on stage with James Brown, and he danced with them until security took him away. How fucking cool is that? Yeah, I mean, okay, I, I had Bono on my shoulders. Did I tell you that already? But this dude danced with James Brown. I, I don't think I beat that. I don't think I beat that. <laughs> I don't think so. Prince could dance. Prince could dance. Prince was an underrated dancer. And a very, until later, later, later on in his career, very underrated, underestimated guitar player. I still say one of the greatest solos you'll ever see is Prince playing with Tom Petty and uh, a couple other guys at a, I think it was a rock and roll hall of fame show. And George Harrison got inducted and he played, uh, they played while my guitar gently weeps and watch the video. George Harrison's son is playing with them. He looks just like him, but Prince just absolutely owns it with like he's he the guy he didn't think he was second to anybody he could just see it his, his his uh the way he carried himself the dude was good at everything <laughs> everything he did. still one of the funniest stories ever told was the charlie murphy true hollywood story on the dave Chappelle show when uh <laughs> the pancake story Prince blouses versus shirts. I know everybody's seen it, but you can't see it enough. Between that, I don't know what's funnier. That one or the Rick James one? Uh, Charlie Murphy, True Hollywood. So that dude was funnier than his brother, Eddie. It's too bad he's gone because that dude was just, he was money. Every single time, that dude was money. So... Let me see. Uh, da, da, da. My, 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 my old friend, Michael DiBiase. Loved that guy. Always was a good guy. Still is a good guy. He just commented in his purpleness was one of the best rockers. True that. Not even Rick James. Now, when Prince started out, there was some sort of controversy between him and Rick James. I think he was trying to call out Rick James to get some attention. Well, it worked. And look where they ended up. Let's see. Did you know 
The Beatles' White Album was originally titled A Doll's House. Man, cover art for it and everything. Good call. White Album. It's like Bob Dylan. <laughs> Good call with calling yourself Bob Dylan. Uh, let me see. Okay, this is a good one. This is a good one. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. The name, did you know the name? Or I'll just, this is just kind of a factoid. Let me drink some water before this. It's, it's the beauty of podcasting. Uh, live streaming. I can do what I want. It's my show. I just bring Jack along. Trust that. <laughs> I love Jack. Sometimes. Sometimes. Here we go. The name Credence Clearwater Revival means nothing as a phrase, right? Most rock bands, most music bands, the name doesn't really. Although I have to say the 80s produced some of the best rock names ever. One, a couple of my favorites. Psychedelic Furs. Ah. What else? Echo and the Bunny Men. Uh, Romeo Void. Some fucking good names, right? The Violent Femmes. Yeah. So, none of them mean anything, right? Just like Creedence Clearwater Revival means nothing as a phrase, but when they break it down, the word Credence refers to someone named Credence Newball. Yeah. Someone named Credence Newball, who was a friend of Tom Fogarty. Imagine going through life with that name. <laughs> Credence Newball? That's right up there with Leonard Skinner. Right? So uh, we got that. So we got the Credence part of it. Clearwater came from a TV commercial for Olympia Bear. Yeah, I'll have to look that commercial up. And Revival was a nod to the fact that the band returned in 1967 after a three-year hiatus due to military commitments. Yeah, I think they were in the National Guard, probably. <laughs> they almost settled for the name... Oh, ah, another great call. This is like dodging bullet night, dodging a bullet night <laughs> with the names. Credence Clearwater Revival almost called themselves, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Credence Newball and the Ruby. What the fuck? <laughs> That's... I can't, I just can't see that. <laughs> I can't see it. Uh, uh, first you got Bob Dylan. I wanted to call himself fucking like Efren Gunn or some shit like that. And then, oh yeah. Fucking Credence Newball in the Ruby. But fate had it. They stuck with Credence Clearwater Revival. A few years, oh, probably 
10 years back, it has to be, what are we in? 2022. So this is probably, that was 2012, 2011, 2010, probably 2010. I got tickets to see Credence Clearwater Revisited. All right. They were fucking good. It's the original band, pretty much, without the Fogarty brothers, right? And you can't tell me, if you listened, that they weren't. They gotta be in the top three greatest, like, bands, like, backup to the lead singer type bands. Their rhythm and their, their just, their pace was fucking unbelievable. And when I saw them, they had the lead singer, I forget his name, but he sounded like, like John Fogarty. And uh, it's a fucking hell of a show. Hell of a show. And those guys were in good shape. You know, they weren't these old fat guys. They were, uh, they tore it up. So I don't know if they're still around, but Credence Clearwater revisited. There was a lot of, it's a big legal battle over the name. I don't get into it. Google it. <laughs> Did you know Respect by Aretha Franklin is actually a cover of an Otis Redding song? I think I've said this before. She rewrote the lyrics because the song originally had a misogynistic tone. She was ahead of her time. <laughs> now it's one of the most famous female anthems of all time. Yeah, here we go. Is a uh, Carlos Santana. Did you know Carlos Santana was so high on LSD during his performance at Woodstock in 69, he thought his guitar neck was a snake. Now, that's pretty funny. So imagine if he thought his guitar neck was a snake. Imagine if Grace Slick got away with dropping a hit of acid into Nixon's water. What the fuck would have went through that lunatic's mind? <laughs> Holy fuck. Uh, uh, I think we all know this. Jimmy, did you know Jimi Hendrix taught himself how to play the, the guitar and never learned how to read music? That's, there's a lot of people like that. B.B. King, you can go way back to guys that uh, play the guitar but don't know how to Read music. I got a Barbara Streisand thing here, but I don't care about Barbara Streisand. Ah, uh, let's see. Duh, 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 duh. Ah, okay. Let's do a quick famous people in music videos. Uh. Did you know Keanu Reeves was in Paula Abdul's video Rush Rush? Yeah, young Keanu Reeves. Did you know that Angelina Jolie was in Meatloaf's video, Rock and Roll Dreams Come Through? Yeah. Did you know that Matt LeBlanc was in Tom Petty's video, Into the Great Wide Open, along with Johnny Depp? Matt LeBlanc, I don't know, friends. I've never... I don't think I've watched. I think the most I ever watched of Friends was like the first three minutes of an episode, like to see 
what's what's the big deal here? Like, where, where do they, you know? And I watched the first three minutes of one episode, and I just, this is so fucking dumbed down with the canned laughter and the, oh, it's just a horror. That's, like, I don't know. If I had to, if I had a choice between seeing Jethro Tull in concert or watching a friend's marathon. Oh, oh, I'd have to ask for a third option. Suicide. Just fucking leave the room for a minute. <laughs> Give me a, keep, keep my belt with me. I got some shoestrings. <laughs> Come back in seven minutes. Oh, I'm telling you. People like he's you never watch friends. It's so funny. It's all it's so funny. Yeah, dead that. It's not it's dumbed down humor. Now you want to watch something funny? Arrested Development was a fucking funny show. That shit was funny. Trailer Park Boys. It's a fucking funny show. It's funny. Friends. Ugh. That was the beginning of the end of network television as we knew it. So now it's just garbage. Fucking garbage. Yeah, Bob Dylan trying to call himself Elston Gunn. Fucking. <laughs> All right, let's see. Da, 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 da. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. While he was still in the Spencer Davis group, Steve Winwood joined Eric Clapton's group, Eric Clapton and the Powerhouse. Did you even know that that existed? <laughs> right? I think that was back in like 66 or something, probably. I don't know. But that dude, Steve Winwood, man, fucking talent, talent oozed out of that guy. Still does. But no one ever gives him any, like, he doesn't get put in any categories like best of, the best, the best. He should be. So, brings me to this story. <laughs> so, myself, my friend Jim Hurley, and my friend Phil Kelly, who you hear us, me and Jack reference him quite a few times. So we get tickets it's back in November 1986. No, November 19th, we got tickets to see Steve Winwood. And we're from Boston. We get tickets to see Steve Winwood at the Providence Civic Center. Right, so, okay. We drive from Boston to Providence, Rhode Island. Well, not that far. So, mind you, it's November. It was a cold November, though, right? Remember that. We have great seats. We have floor seats. So this story goes in a couple different directions. So he starts off the show with low spark for high heel boys. I mean, fucking right there, you know, this is going to be a great night, right? Starts the show off with that song. So let's see. 
I got the set list right here. So the set list was Low Spock for high, of High Heel Boys, Glad, Take It As It Comes, Help Me Angel, Freedom Overspill, Slow Down Sundown, Wake Me Up on Judgment Day, Ark of the Diver, My Love's Leaving, The Finer Things, Valerie, those are the Split Decision, While You See a Chance, right? So he saved all his newer hits for, for the end. Uh, I'm a Man, he pumped that one out. Higher Love, right? Back in the High Life Again, and Give Me Some Loving. So I think it was probably uh, the fourth song. Let me get up. We're going to go get some beers. Let me go get some beers. So we're coming back. We're on the floor. So we're coming back through the entrance onto the floor. And we're standing there for a minute. Let me meet these girls. Okay. So somehow we get separated. And now, mind you, this is back in 86. So my memory is a little, it'll be a little foggy here. So, uh. We get separated, and I, I, I'm, I'm with this girl, and somehow we end up in the lounge upstairs at the Providence Civic Center. I didn't even know it had a lounge. And, and then somehow we end up in some VIP section with, it's like these nice, like a little stadium seating, like a room with some stadium seating with the glass, and they got the speakers pumping in the music. And it's just nice and comfortable in there. It gets a little more comfortable. And I'm going to end that part of the story right there. We're just going to, it's going to leave that part out. (laughs) Okay. So fast forward. So I think I missed, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think I missed nine of the songs, right? So it's time to time to go find the friends. She's got to find hers. I got to find mine. So somehow we, I guess I go back to the seats. Now the show's almost over. And it's time to leave. So the show ends. And so as we're leaving, one of my friends, Jimmy Hurley, sees these girls from Winthrop, where, we, where we're from. They're a little younger. And he had, this, he had this nice jean jacket. Like, that was the shit back then, right? Leather jackets, jean jackets. So he, uh, somehow, he lends it to this girl that's from the town we, we live in. Lends it to her for a second, and then... Uh, Turns his back and she's gone. She stole his jacket. But uh, it's, that's not the end of it. It's actually just the beginning of it. See, the problem with that was Jim was driving. Mm-hmm. Jim's car keys were in that jacket. <laughs> right? So we're in, we're in Providence, Rhode Island. It's November. Fucking cold. 
So we know who she was. She was the daughter of the principal of the high school. This is probably like a, I got to think this was like a, a Thursday night or something, right? So back then we had, there was pay phones and you could literally call 411 to get a number, right? So Jim gets 411 and he, he wants the phone number to this principal's house because he wants to find <laughs> Which I didn't think was, I didn't know why he was doing that because it wouldn't have done us any good. But anyways, because if she left, she's still on her way home. She's not going to be able to turn around those cell phones. I guess he gets into a conversation with this guy and we're kind of, we're not half in the bag. We're fucking in the bag. We're in the bag, right? So (laughs) Jim hangs up. Now we're like, what are we going to do? The fuck are we gonna we don't have a ride home. There was no Uber back then. Ah, fuck. Well, maybe we can go to a hotel. Maybe we'll just kind of we'll kill it here tonight and we'll figure it out in the morning. Cause now it's like 1130. It's like 1130 at night. This is like one hotel in downtown Providence. Which, by the way, if you've never been there, it was not exactly downtown Beverly Hills. Or downtown Boca Raton, for that matter. So we go in the hotel. Nah, they're not. They're not. They're not giving us a room. We're full. They said we're full. Fuck. Now it's like midnight. All right. Well, we only have one option. We have one option. We're gonna hitchhike back to Boston. Mm-hmm. At midnight. On a Thursday night, <laughs> three of us with, <laughs> with two jackets, right? So, I don't know. The story gets a little, one, one guy says, I, I wouldn't give my jacket up, and I made those two switch. Phil and Bill, I'm Phil and Jim, had to keep switching jackets because I was a, a big hell no. No one's, I get, this is my jacket. My jacket didn't get stolen. Asshole. Probably that's that's the true story. So now we're standing on the side of 95 because we had to walk to the highway. Now it's, I don't know, we're there for easy hour, easy. So it's like one in the morning now, Thursday night, fucking November. Freezing. And we're thumbing. Three of us. Now, it's hard enough to get picked up when you're alone. Back then, hitchhiking was a thing. It was acceptable. It was a little dangerous. I got some stories. I think everyone has a hitchhiker story from my generation. A little dangerous, but there's three of us, and we're pretty tough guys. We're pretty tough kids. I think we were probably in our early 20s then. So, uh... We're on one thirty. Fucking a van <laughs> stops, right? It's like a, it's it's like one of those smaller like Chevy vans, right? And, and so we 
we open the side door and we jump in and we're freezing. It didn't matter. Like we're just in. Now we're in. There's heat in there. And I think, I don't know, I think Phil sat in the front seat. Or Jim. Jim sat in the front seat. Me and Phil sat on like whatever there was. There was crates or a toolbox or something. So <laughs> we start looking. Like you start getting your night vision in there. And it's it's literally a fucking TV repairman truck. Right? It's like fucking tools. Little Little, oh, you pull the little shelf out of the little, the drawer. It's got screws and widgets and cabalisters and Hannah friends. It's all sorts of shit in there. And the dude says, hey, man, where you guys going? (laughs) Oh, shit, okay. Well, we're going to Boston. We're going to Boston. You can take us as far as you can. You know, we'd appreciate it. Ah, I'll take you all the way there. (laughs) Fucking touchdown. Touchdown, right? Okay. You know how to get there, right? We want to get to like aquarium, the the New England aquarium. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know how to get there. Yeah. So at one point, I think the dude broke out a joint or something. I wasn't a weed smoker, but he he was a pretty cool dude. Then at one point. He wants to stop at a store 24. So we stop. He gets out. He's, he's, he's going to go in there and whatever he's getting. And, uh, and there's was, there was something other. He was tweaking. I'm pretty sure he was tweaking too, right? So while the dude's in there, and now this is another, this is, this is another con- part of the story that can be, I don't know, it goes one way or another. Depends on who you talk to. But at that point, I believe Jim tried to steal the van. <laughs> I believe, if memory serves me, he was interested in taking the van. Right? He was rummaging. He was under the dash. He was doing something. I, I don't know. Like I said, depends on who you ask. Who tells the story? That's what I saw. And we have to tell him, don't do it. We got to ride. Why do you want to do this? Dude comes out, Jim pops back up, sits there. So now we're driving, we're driving. I said, do you know how to get to aquarium? He goes, yeah, yeah. Now, this is when I realized this dude was tweaking because he took us, not the direct route. If you're from Boston, you know, when going on 95 North, there's a direct route. You can get off, get relatively close to aquarium. This dude takes us through Roxbury. <laughs> takes us through Roxbury. Now, for those that are not familiar with Roxbury, let's just say nothing good happens after 7 p.m. in Rock. Not midnight, not one o'clock. Nothing, you know what? Nothing good happened any time of the day over there. Yeah, it's just the way it was. The projects just wasn't. And especially at now, it's 2.15, 2.30 in the morning, whatever it is. And the reason this dude knew how to get this, because that's where you'd go and buy his shit, evidently, right? So finally, I'm like, do you know where you are, dude? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now get us the fuck out of here. Get us out of here. This is how you do it. Get, don't stop at a red light. 
See a red light, don't stop. Just keep going. Just blow through it. It's 2.30, no one cares. Let's get us out of here. So finally, he gets us to our destination. And then, just like that, he's gone. He's going to drive back to Providence now at 2.33 in the morning. Like, the dude was a godsend that was tweaking. But he was still a godsend. And then we took a taxi home. (laughs) It's a very anticlimactic story. But that was one long night. And I went to my house. Phil went to his house. Jim went to his house. But Jim had to deal with getting his car keys and then going back to Providence to get his car. Served him right. Uh, I I wasn't going with him. Fuck that. Nope. (laughs) Nobody. So that's the Steve Winwood story. Something I never wanted to repeat again. Not the story. the, The whole incident. All right. Let's move on. Thank you for listening, by the way. (laughs) Thank you for listening. All right, let's move on to this day in music. Let's let's get this over with. This is Jack's favorite. This is where Jack would pick up his guitar and start strumming. Oh, and this day, and then start mocking me and just being a jerk. All right, on this day in music. On this day in 1960, in 1960, 16, in 1960, after completing his national service, you know, he served his time in the military, (laughs) Uh, and flying back to America, Elvis Presley stepped on British soil for the first and only time in his life when the plane carrying him stopped for refueling at Prestwick Airport in Scotland. I find that amazing that he never toured Europe. Like, you would think that he went everywhere, but I, I don't know how much he ventured outside the United States. I don't, I don't know, right? It makes you think. If that's the only time he ever stepped on, uh, you know, British soil, would think. Huh. Anyways, on this day in 1963, the Four Seasons. Who doesn't like the Four Seasons, right? Who doesn't like them? They're good. They're harmless. They're good, right? I just watched the whole, uh, the whole series. I finished. For those who don't know, I'm retired, so I have plenty of time. And I made part of my daily routine watching The Sopranos. I watched it from the beginning to the end. And you started noticing around season four and five that uh, celebrities wanted to have, like, you know, cameos in The Sopranos. And you look back now and you're like, ah, fucking cheesy. But Frankie Valli played a gangster. He got whacked, but yeah. They had all sorts of people wanting to be in that show. And and for the record, at the end of the show, how it ends, the last episode. I, I don't I, I watched it. I watched the ending twice. 
from the restaurant with the beginning. He Tony doesn't get whacked. There's, doesn't get killed. Everyone's like the guy from the counter walked by him and went into the bathroom. There's no saying that he got whacked. Meadow comes through the door. You hear the bell ringing. He looks up to see his daughter. And then it just goes to black, which was fucking one of the worst endings in the history of David Chase. What? And you started seeing all his virtue signaling in, in season six. It really started coming out. And this was now, we're talking 20-something years ago. So he was on the, uh, he was at the beginning of that ball rolling. But uh, he didn't get whacked. But what it did leave you with is he was going to get indicted for a gun charge. Anyways. So anyways, uh, the four seasons became the first group to have three consecutive number ones in the U.S. When Walk Like a Man started a three-week run at the top of the charts. It hit number 12 in the U.K. charts. On this day in 1964, the Beatles began, began filming what would become their first feature film, A Hard Day's Night. That shit's a funny, that's a funny movie. At Mary Bone Station... In London. I think that, you know what? That was probably the beginning of music videos, if you think about it. That was probably the beginning of music videos because the, the movie was pretty much one big music video. On this day in 1974, Stevie Wonder uh, won four awards at the Grammys Album of the Year for Inner Visions, Best RB Song and Best Vocal for Superstition, and Pop Vocal Performance for. You are the sunshine of my life. Now, I'll tell you what. I've been saying this for a long time now. Stevie Wonder is the most talented entertainer in music history. The most talented, not the greatest, not the whatever. The dude is talented. He could dance. He could sing. He played piano. He played harmonica. He played. He wrote music. I mean, the dude he produced. He did it all. Just a pure talent. Prince is like, if Stevie Wonder is is one, Prince is one A. And that's that's. I will. I'll argue that to the to the day Prince dies. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bad taste. But Stevie Wonder, the most talented person in music. No doubt about it. On this day in 1974, Terry Jacks started a three-week a three run at number one on the U.S. singles chart with Seasons in the Sun. If this, it, That's got to be in the t- top ten most fucking depressing songs ever. Jesus Christ. And we loved it. I got the 45. Did you get Terry Jacks 45? Seasons in the Sun. Yeah, I got it. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I play it. My, I love it. It's on the radio. Five times an hour. Ugh. Fucking no, mon- no wonder we had issues growing up. <laughs> that song. I, this is how this song was made. It was written by a French... It was written in French by a Belgian, Jacques Braille. It had English lyrics by Rod McEwen. Fuck. Slit my fucking wrists. Take me to a Jethro Tull concert. Fucking just kill me. Oh. 
Make me watch Friends. Anyways. On this day in 1975, a policeman who stopped a Lincoln Continental for running a red light in Los Angeles was surprised to find Paul McCartney at the wheel with his wife Linda in the front seat. The officer detected a smell of marijuana and on searching the car (laughs) found eight ounces of weed. (laughs) Linda was arrested for the offense. Yeah, there you go. That's a good woman right there. That's a fucking good woman. She'll take the heat for you. She's riding dirty. Uh, Linda McCartney was riding dirty. (laughs) Back in the day, she's an OG. Oh, was. Uh, That's a good woman. I'll take the hit. I'll take the drug charge for you because I love you. Yeah. Oh, that's a good woman. Need to be more women like Linda McCartney out there. <laughs> Drink some water. Yeah, good girl, good girl. On this day in 1985, the Smiths, one of my favorite groups, were at number one on the UK indie charts with How Soon Is Now, an iconic iconic 80s song iconic song all around on this day in 1996 oasis scored their second uk number one when don't look back in anger went to number one from the band's what's the story morning glory album it was the first oasis single to reach to feature noel gallagher on lead vocals instead of his brother liam yeah, and they will never get back together, no matter what Jack says. Yeah, I got a big, big money on that one. If I lose, I'm screwed. For those of you that might have missed it, I told Jack, if, if, if Oasis gets together and it's only in Europe, I got to buy the fucking tickets because <laughs> they're not getting back together. It's just not happening. And what's the story, Morning Glory, is a great album. That's a great album. If you ever want to listen to it, do yourself a favor. It's a great album. On this day in 1999, Dusty Springfield, who I mentioned earlier in the show, likes to, or liked to, smash Cheap China. I don't know, to, to cure her frustration. Well, Dusty Springfield died after a long battle Against cancer at age 59. Fucking cancer. Uh, She had her first UK hit single in 1963 with I Only Want to Be With You, which reached number four. Uh, The 1966 UK number one and US number four single with You Don't Have to Say You Love Me, plus over 15 other UK top 40 singles. Well, before she passed, she did a... uh, she did a song with the Pet Shop Boys, one of my favorite groups. I don't care what you say. They're good. And that kind of gave her a little resurgence, uh, and she kind of went out with a bang. So they brought her out of the, they, they brought her out, dusted her off, and she, she killed it. And anyways, on this day in 2003, 
Nora Jones. Nora, she, a little hottie. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. She was a hottie. Uh, started a four-week run at number one on the UK album chart with her debut album, Come Away With Me. The album spent over a year on the chart and was also a U.S. number one. And if you don't have that album, that's a phenomenal album. I mean, I, I think she, I think she won like eight or nine Grammys for that album. Uh, oh, Jesus! For all you people, for all you people that have kids getting ready to go to college, thank God. They're not in fucking Liverpool. (laughs) I'm about to tell you why. On this day in 2009, Liverpool University launched a master's degree on the Beatles. (laughs) Let me finish that. A master's degree on the Beatles, popular music, and society. Oh, my God. Liverpool Hope University claimed the course, which looked at the studio sound and compositions of the Beatles, was the first of its kind in the UK. And you know what? It can fucking stay in the UK. Hey, what's your son? What's your daughter? What'd she get her master's degree in? The Beatles. (laughs) The Beatles. Eh. How much, how much did that cost you? $65,000. Yeah, $65,000. But she knows a lot about the Beatles. Good for her. Right? Listen, I, I got a degree in canine science. Okay? Canine science. I fucking know more about dogs than a dog. Right? But you know what? I found my niche, and I ended up being pretty successful. The military, U.S. Customs. No one thought I would do anything with that degree. What are you going to do with a canine science degree? I didn't have an answer. I really didn't have an answer. So I went in the military. But a fucking a Beatles degree? That's even worse. That's worse. The Beatles, fucking a day in the life comes on the radio and your daughter just starts, well, let me tell you about this. <laughs> oh, fuck no. Ah, and then <laughs> take, that shit would be erased from my car. There'd be no, no sign of Beatles things anywhere. I don't want to know what you learned. I fucking paid for it. <laughs> We're good. We're good. <laughs> Ah, jeez. Fucking master's degree on the Beatles, popular music, and society. Ah, again, Jethro Tull concert. (laughs) Can friends throw that in there now? Hey, listen, I like the Beatles and all. And I love music, and I love music history, and I love the digi-nos, and I love... Ah, everything's got a fucking limit. A man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> Master's degree. Someone paid for that shit. Fucking the parents must have been so proud. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyways, let's go to Born on This Day, and then I'll be done. Born on This Day in 1942, the late, great Lou Reed. From the Velvet, you know, Lou Reed from the Velvet Underground, right? After he left the band in 1970, released 20 solo studio albums. His second, Transformer, in 1972, was produced by David Bowie and arranged by Bowie's guitarist, Mick Ronson. It brought mainstream recognition to Reed. In 73, this is probably his biggest hit, and we all, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a class. It was an instant classic, Walk on the Wild Side. And, uh, yeah, he died from liver disease on October 27th, 2013. He was 71. Born on this day in 1950, American singer and drummer Karen Carpenter, who with the Carpenters had the 1973 UK number two single, Yesterday Once More, plus three U.S. number ones, including the 1975 U.S. number one single, Please Mr. Postman. Uh, then we go on with that. The Carpenters' albums and single sales total more than $90 million, making them one of the best-selling music artists of all time. She unfortunately died on February 4th, 1983, of anorexia nervosa. What people don't know about Karen Carpenter, and you can find this on YouTube, she was actually considered one of the great drummers in music. That girl could fucking... She could play the sticks. Do yourself a favor when you're not doing anything. Go on YouTube and type in Karen Carpenter drums. She could she could throw the sticks, man. You know she was all cutesy and nice, but when she got behind those uh, those skins, she was all business. Yeah. Born on this day in 1962, Bon Jovi. Who gives a shit? (laughs) Another one. Another one. Throw him on my list. Put him on my list. Santana, Jethro Tull, Green Day. Sticks. Fucking sticks. Bon Jovi. No, I'm forgetting a few. Fucking Bon Jovi. Ugh. I don't know what people saw in that. Okay, he had a couple of good songs, but that, like I said, Jethro Tull had two good songs. Doesn't make me like them. Eh. And born on this day in 1977, Chris Martin, songwriter, pianist, guitarist, and lead vocalist of Coldplay, who haven't done shit in 15 years or so. Anyways, that's the show. Yeah, that's the show. That I did uh, an hour and 25 without Jack. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I mean, I like having Jack, but you know, I I could do it without him. I think I could do it. Not that I want to. I love Jack. Jack's a great, 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 great friend. And, uh, has a wealth of information about music. Other than that, he's okay. But anyways, listen. Thanks for listening. For the live streamers, thanks for watching. Uh, 
for both platforms. You are the engine that drives this machine. Without you, I would be talking to myself, even when I'm with Jack. And uh, to quote my favorite artist, Morrissey, doing the show for you. Well, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. I'll see you next week. You'll hear me next week with Jack, hopefully. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. And we're out. I'm out. Jack's already been out. Jack.